Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You Podcast. This is a special episode. Thank you, Alan. You're welcome, Terry. And uh, I'm Terry, Church Ministries Leader for the Alliance. And I'm Alan, uh, Director of Development in Eastern PA Alliance. And we are coming to you today from Ohio. O-H-I-O. Oh, I can't believe I actually did that. I can't believe I did either. Oh, my goodness. Home of... Oberlin College, uh, first interracial and co-educational college in the United States. No way. Yep. The heart of it all came through. It did. Been there into that town and preached in that Alliance Church uh, many long years ago. But uh, Alan, today you need to be on your best behavior. I I am. The good life is the good life. Of course, I'm always on my best behavior. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Everybody that (laughs) believes that, stand on your head, as my dad would say. Oh, Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people standing on their head right now because of that. I'm sure there are, too. So uh, we're welcoming today to Equipping You Podcast our president, Dr. John uh, Stumba. And uh, he's going to come and share with us a bit about what happened at council, some Mm -hmm. follow-up. Uh, to that. So uh, what are you looking forward to in this episode, uh, Alan? Well, I think, you know, one thing I've appreciated about uh, John's leadership is that he's very pastoral in his leadership. And so I'm looking to see how he brings a pastoral perspective to this whole conversation, decisions he made at council. For example, I would say most people, if you ask them their favorite part of council, it's the president's report because of the way he kind of pastors through the telling of those great stories. Yeah, And I think he's going to bring that today. Totally agree. So uh, grab yourself the official Ohio State beverage. There's an official Ohio State beverage. There is. Grab yourself a tomato juice. What? There's that Reynoldsburg connection. The uh, Livingston creation of the domesticated tomato or whatever they call it. Yeah. So grab yourself a tomato juice. Sit back. Relax. Here we go. And we're pleased to welcome to the Equipping You podcast studio our president, John Stumbo. John, great to see you. Great to have you with us. Thanks. So uh, we'll jump right in here. This was a big council filled with a lot of anticipation, a lot of big decisions. Uh, how are you feeling now that it's over? Well, a sense of relief is uh, pretty obvious. Uh, Gratitude runs high for uh, the depth of worship and engagement and the different report sessions and all of that. Just seeing the Alliance family. I'd been to the Spokane uh, Center a few times when it was hollow, empty, and Mm. dead. (laughs) And to see it come alive with the Alliance family and community and just like genuine stuff happening. But Terry, Alan, I'll admit that I left council uh, numb. Yeah. Because it was such an intense time. And with my personality style that there is no great joy, even in the highest of moments, if there's a relationship that is not in a healthy place. Yeah. 
or in a winsome place. And so I, I knew that I was feeling the sting of some words that were said, and I was feeling the, the sadness of some who felt like uh, we had made a wrong decision. And so mm. I had... Uh, I went home and had a week of lifting heavy things and thinking light thoughts in my backyard. <laughs> had, like some a- home, had some home projects and just uh, kind of let it all settle in. Mm, that seems like that was a good strategy, for sure. So at the conclusion of council, you had asked the Lions family to take their time, reflect and pray, and not make any big, quick decisions. Uh, what makes that especially important after this council? Well, I think it's a good leadership principle anyway to give major moments time to settle in so i made a little joke about lifting heavy things and thinking light thoughts but uh, that's that was really a part of my strategy i just need to let my heart and mind catch up to all the experiences and all the conversations and all that we've just done and give the spirit of god some time to settle you think about jesus and and elijah and all the bible saints they they operated at a different pace Mm -hmm. because they had to walk and they sat by brooks and they had camping overnight and and just was a different pace and we get an airplane fly home and got our emails while we're doing so and text messages (laughs) coming in oh by the way there's facebook and twitter you know it's just like you gotta be kidding me we just need some time to let this settle in our own souls yeah and uh, also so that we don't just overly react emotionally to let the emotion of the moment drive the decision that's going to affect a long period of time. So, so I just think it's, it's wise leadership in general, but especially after a week that was so full of so many different experiences, just to sit on it for a while, because I know the temptation and tendency of the current culture in which we live, and that's make big statements real fast uh, that are based on our emotional state of the moment. And I don't think it's producing a whole lot of good in America and in the church and in our homes. I think some, some sit on it for a while is pretty good in a marriage and pretty good in a lot of (laughs) things. Yeah, that's fair. That is definitely fair. Yep. Good advice. Yeah, I'll take advice. So, John, what would you say uh, to Alliance pastors and people who aren't pleased uh, with the decisions that the the, the council made? For example, uh, some have suggested that ordaining women, or in our case, consecrating and ordaining, uh, is an unhealthy sign for a denomination. What's what's your response to that? Well, we knew that there were people who wouldn't be pleased because I knew four years ago that I was raising a conversation of known disagreement. That's why we are raising it. A leader, a father, a husband, a pastor, DS, we, we can choose to leave some conversations kind of under the table and, and uh, just ignoring the conversations that are going on, or we can bring them to the surface and say, hey, this is a debate. This is an issue among us. Let's have it publicly rather than just privately. And so that's what I chose to do. To the great irritation of some and great (laughs) encouragement of others, we brought the conversation to the surface. It had been going underground for decades. Mm -hmm. Uh, So why don't we just talk about it and 
but not with the hope that we were going to land in some mystical, magical place that everybody suddenly agreed on. This, this has been going on throughout the life of the church. So why would we think that at this moment in time, especially at this moment in time, <laughs> that we could come to some uniformity yeah. of thought? That was never the goal, uniformity of thought. The goal has been all along, can we learn to respect the views and voices of people that we know we don't agree with, but we've started to hear them and understand them and engage with them enough so that we can actually see, huh, they honor the scripture, they love the Lord, and they're trying to serve Jesus in the best they can in their setting. And so what would I say, Terry, to those people who left council disappointed by their decisions? I'm sorry that we weren't able to come to a place where everybody agreed on every point. And I would ask you to listen well enough, engage well enough to see that your sisters and brothers have a vantage point that really does honor Scripture. And we always have worked together in the alliance and can work together in the alliance. And on the specific thing that you raised of uh, ordination, Terry, you've said that um, some have suggested ordaining women is an unhealthy sign for denomination. Well, it depends on where that ordination process came from, where the conversation came from. If it came from Hey, we're walking away from the authority of God's word and have no interest in, you know, taking seriously the inerrancy of scripture, uh, then that would be a concern, certainly. But we have yeah. proven over and over in these years that the Alliance family is very committed to the authority of God's word. Every conversation on the statement of faith was marked by a sincere respect for the authority of God's word. And Terry, you and I know the sadness of having removed somebody from the denomination in the last few years who did not uh, hold to the inerrancy of God's word. So it's part of our discipline process that if somebody doesn't, it's, we're careful in our interviewing processes to not allow people in to licensing yeah. and are not holding to the authority of God's word. So, so I, I, I never want to be cavalier about that and think that we'll never have a problem in the alliance on that issue. But at this moment, as your president, 10 years into it, thousands of conversations, hundreds of churches into this, I'm not seeing a drift from God's word. Well, somebody would argue then, how did you end up ordaining women? Hmm. Well, that's a fair question, and the answer is because we don't see ordination as we apply it as a biblical conversation. Hmm. This is not an issue of theology, it's an issue of polity. It's not an issue of orthodoxy. It's an issue of orthopraxy. And we are seeing that ordination is a very necessary tool for vetting our leaders so that we are not putting our endorsement upon somebody that has not had a proper um, education and good theological training and solid understanding. So how many books do they have to read? How many papers do they have to write? How many interviews do they have to go through? How much mentoring? I mean, this is a serious and significant process. I got a nephew who just got an 
Jordan Nation online for like 45 bucks because he wants to do a wedding. In 10 minutes, 45 bucks, he's in. Yeah. It's like, ah, uh, you know, with yeah. the, when the alliance, it means something. Yes, it does. And it yeah. always has and it always must right. that it means something. That's why we're respected in the military because it means something mm. to have an alliance ordination. Mm. And so, um, but we've viewed that as a proper human process for an organization that necessarily trains and vets and endorses their leaders. And if you try to make the link between Old Testament priesthood ordination, that's quite a stretch. Yeah. Uh, or the laying on of hands in the New Testament, we, um, that's quite a stretch to put that as a parallel to our ordination process. So. Um, what I would say is uh, we've um, honored the scripture where the scripture speaks, and we know that there's countless things in church life that we do to which the scripture has not spoken, but we feel they are very appropriate to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. We have those kind of conversations around things like child dedication. You know, some churches feel passionately about that, but it's it's a good thing, but it's not something that you can say is definitely a commanded by scripture. So. And that list for me is fascinating once yep. you start thinking about yep. it. Yeah. Vacation Bible school, mm. pianos and organs, yeah. nominating committee, elections. All these things are just kind of built yep. right into our sure. system. And do we have biblical precedents for it? No. Yeah. Do we have scripture and verse? Yep. No. Are they wrong? No. Right. <laughs> yep. We're yep. just, we're just, re, we, we, all throughout church history, we have found ways to bring the gospel to the culture of the moment. And that feels very scriptural according yeah. to how Paul carried yeah. out his ministry. Yeah, I think we have a good his history of doing that as well, too, as well. So that's good. Uh, so in light of history, how would you characterize the historical position uh, and practices of the alliance on, the, on women in ministry and leadership? As I've read Simpson and reflected on those days, it seems to me that here we had a local church pastor who was serious about how do we honor the scripture and advance the gospel, and what does that look like in a local church context? So as pastor of the Gospel Tabernacle, uh, he chose to use women from the pulpit from time to time. And in fact, in the 25th anniversary address that he gave for the Gospel Tabernacle, he lists some of the top moments, some of the high points of their history. And a few of those moments are some female preachers that mm -hmm. uh, spoke from, from his pulpit. Now, uh, so, but he, he himself grappled with uh, 1 Corinthians 14, says, uh, you know, a woman is not allowed to speak in the church nor to have authority over man. But he processed that, 1 Corinthians 14, through the grid of 1 Corinthians 11, where he said, well, obviously Paul has already allowed a woman to speak in church because she's allowed to pray and prophesy mm -hmm. as long as her head is covered. And so what then are we to, uh, how then are we to interpret 1 Corinthians 14? We're just, a few chapters later, he uh, forbids a woman to speak. Paul uh, Simpson said that his view was that women are allowed, obviously, to speak and to have various forms of leadership, but not with the authoritativeness of the elder role. Right. And that's where he drew the line, and that's, interestingly, where the Alliance Council just drew yeah. the line. Yeah. That uh, eldership reserved for men, lead pastor reserved for men, 
And um, otherwise, we're opening the door wider for women in leadership. And that seems very Simpsonian. <laughs> it, it, uh, we have a new adjective today. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and really, in some senses, we haven't gone as far as Simpson went in that we know that there were hundreds of church planting uh, pastors and uh, lead pastors that were women in the Alliance uh, in those early days. So how that played out in those early days and how it plays out now, um, we've we've really not gone as far as, as it seems as Simpson allowed. But on the other hand, he didn't have the structure. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't a denomination then. Yeah. And we didn't have all of the licensing and ordination and all these kind of things fully developed like we do now. Mm-hmm. So what would he do now? Uh, who knows? <laughs> it's not really even the question to ask. What would the Spirit of God have us yeah, do now? Right. That's this question we've been asking. So I feel that we are in a good place and that so it represents well our early alliance. Let me say it this way. I believe we left council 2023 more like the early alliance than we walked into council. I think we left council more closely resembling Simpson-era alliance than when we walked into council, both on premillennialism, because he was premillennial and didn't drive people away who weren't, and on women in ministry, that uh, he had some restrictions, but had a whole lot of freedom. Yeah, I think that's a very fair assessment, no doubt. So John, we'd love for you to give us a bit of a taste of your biblical understanding of the role of women in in, uh, church ministry and leadership. Terry, I was quiet on that for the four years that I led the national conversation. And some accused me of not having a biblical position because I didn't speak, but but I was trying to be careful to lead a conversation that was a true listening um, heart and to not come and argue my way to where I thought we should be. So I've I've been slow to speak. And at some point, maybe I need to, you know, put this into writing. I don't know. But my view uh, would arise from, one, the whole creation narrative and and also New Testament passages that say in Christ there's no male or female, Jew or Greek, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, <laughs> Christ is all and is in all. That, that there is the, the image of God uh, placed upon men and women, male and female, he created them in his likeness. And, and that, so we are image bearers together who have two distinct roles in this world. It's not a, a blending of um, male and female in some weird way in the church, but no, there's, there should be distinct maleness and distinct femaleness that uh, we rejoice in and honor and celebrate. Culture is uh, undermining a lot of that. I'm delighted in our statement of faith. We made it clear in that, um, that God created man and woman, and that's a necessary thing at this moment in time for us to have made that clear in our statement of faith. So I start there. I am one who believes in uh, male headship in the home. My wife uh, celebrates that as well. Ephesians 5, that Christ is the, the husband is the head of the home, just as Christ is the head of the church. 
Well, if you take male headship out altogether, what are you doing with the headship of Christ and the church? So that's where I land with a male eldership model and um, and, and approach it that way. Christ is the head of the church and man is the head of the home and that kind of has an application to how the church is led. But then I see in the New Testament, and I see in the heart of Christ, and I see throughout the whole of the Bible, that where women are gifted for various tasks, that they should be released. And that it's possible that we actually take a pharisaical approach. Mm. Ooh, I'm going to offend somebody here. But when we have stronger restrictions than the Bible itself does in order to provide safeguards so that we wouldn't ever get to some slippery slope, so we build more fences Mm. than the Scripture itself does, what are we doing? That's what the Pharisees did, to guard their own righteousness by coming up with a bunch of more laws than God himself had come up with. Mm. And so uh, my view is that when the New Testament... Apollos needed to be trained, and Priscilla and Aquila were the ones who trained him up. Yeah. And my view is that there's uh, no gender in the whole world. Of he gave some to be apostles mm-hmm. and prophets and shepherds and teachers. That that's not gender-based, that the spiritual gifts aren't gender-based. And so can a woman be a shepherd? Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, they have just in nature more of a shepherding instinct than a lot of us men do. And so uh, I have a view that Paul and others were working in the context and culture of their time, whether it was how you greet somebody with a holy kiss I get those in Hispanic churches. I've never got those in many other churches. You won't get one in my church. No, I'll get a German fessed handshake. Fist bump, maybe. Yeah, uh, no, but but we joke about these things. Yeah. But but there there was all these cultural things of the time that we have to be careful. Oh, I know we have to be careful not to just throw all the New Testament under some, oh, it was just the culture of the time. It's very clear on things of morality that that wasn't just a cultural moment, that male and female, that marriage for one man and one woman, sexual intimacy for one man and one woman under the commitment of marriage, all all these kind of things are, are, are not cultural. Those are moral and foundational, but how we do communion. Mm-hmm. None of us do it like the New Testament. How we do, um, you know, the, the greetings, how we do worship, how we do, and go on through the list. We're, we're, um, we, we just have to have the conversation honestly among ourselves about we're not on a slippery slope automatically because we are trying to process um, what was cultural at the moment and what was um, foundational for all time, and so and there's good debate in that, you know, uh, and 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 that's why Terry and Alan, we want to celebrate every church in the alliance who has in this whole spread of you know positions on men and women in leadership. We we want to honor. I I'm not asking everybody to agree with my. Uh, not very clearly stated (laughs) Um, um, biblical approach. I'm not asking everybody to agree with that. I am saying, though, that 
that um, we all come to the scripture and, and wrestle and process. Hmm. That's good. I appreciate that. This whole conversation has been really good for me, to be honest, as a pastor. And I actually love where we've landed as a result of counsel. And I'm really thankful for that. Thanks for your pastoral leadership that way. It's really helped me even to think of like when Paul left Titus behind uh, on Crete to put elders in every town. Obviously, churches formed without elders, and then elders were appointed. So there's all kinds of room for ministry in there before those churches get officially started. And I, I don't think I would have really thought of that that way without this conversation. So thank you for that. It's uh, been really helpful for me. And where was the nominating committee? And yeah. where was the election? <laughs> yeah. And where was the membership? And where was all that that we do? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think they had a nominating committee then. I, I can't find that anywhere. <laughs> but I believe, but I like our structure. Yeah, I like our absolutely. System. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, thank you. For yeah. That. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in a light of that uh, in history, uh, giving our local churches a level of autonomy in titling was a centerpiece of the proposals that came to council. So can you explain for us how that helps to accommodate those with different views on titling, especially around the title pastor? This whole conversation about local autonomy and national uniformity came as a surprise to some that Terry and I brought this into the national conversation, but we felt it essential that we remind the Alliance family of when we are at our best. We are not at our best when we take the position of everybody has to think exactly alike on secondary and tertiary issues. On the fundamentals of the faith, our statement of faith, and and statement on human sexuality, etc., yeah, we need to be in lockstep, we need to be in agreement, and I celebrate that we are more than ever. But on the issues of day-to-day, how to carry out life and ministry in your local church, we celebrate your ability as a local congregation to lead your church in a manner that you feel contextualizes best the scripture and the gospel to your community in the 38 languages and dozens and dozens of cultures in which we operate. And so a Hmong church in St. Paul, Minnesota, and an English church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, are going to have very different approaches to some Uh, to a whole lot of subjects and practices. So when it came down to this whole subject of titling, we wanted there to be some freedom for the local church to say, what's the best expression uh, for our uh, use of language and for our understanding of the Bible and for our staff? Now, let's just quickly remind ourselves that for a vast majority of Alliance churches, this isn't even a conversation because we have male lead pastors and they don't have assistant pastors Mm -hmm. or any multiple staff situation. Uh, So we are not asking every church to wrestle through this. It would not make sense for every church to wrestle through this until they have multiple staff. But uh, um, for those who do have multiple staff, We wanted to grant that local autonomy, that freedom for them to say, what's the best expression? So for that uh, female uh, worship person, for some churches, she's pastoring that staff. She's She's part of the pastoral staff. She should be called a pastor, and it will actually give her more credibility in her community and more, more freedom to operate. 
for others, it's like, no, I don't even want that title. It would be awkward in our setting to have that title. I don't need that title. Uh, it would cause offense to have that title, and then don't. And, and that's not just a woman thing, Alan, Terry. That's for all of us. Yeah. There are certain settings I have allowed myself to be called reverend. But I have never in my lifetime introduced myself as Reverend Stumbo. Yeah. <laughs> I never have in my context. Yeah. In an African American context, of course you would. Yeah. It's 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 a different context, and and so for us oh, and the word pastor, I'm I'm honored by the word pastor. I still like it when somebody is I'm president, but when they call me Pastor John, and still my favorite title. But but it's a title that gives access it's a title that creates an image and let's just be careful to not need any title because mm, i yes. think jesus Good had word. some concerns about those who needed that kind of language mm -hmm. so if it's something we need whether you're a man or a woman um just lay it down mm -hmm. we've not been given a new name no it's not a name. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a tool. It's a resource. And we shouldn't wield that tool as if we had the right to it or as if we needed it or as if it were part of our identity. And we all know that here's where some pastors don't do well later in life when they're no longer pastoring a church and they're no longer called pastor. Yeah. And they're just back to being Joe Mm -hmm. And that hurts and that's hard. Well, mm -hmm. maybe it became too much of our identity through the decades. Yeah. So, so male and female, we need to just um, see titles as a tool, but not something that forms our identity or becomes something that we need. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, really good word to everyone. Uh, that whole identity piece is so tricky sometimes in ministry, and I really appreciate you speaking into that. And by the way, back to the New Testament. Nobody ever called Peter, Pastor Peter, mm -hmm. or Paul, Pastor Paul, to our knowledge. There's yeah. no evidence of right. it. And, then, and it wasn't, the word pastor wasn't a word mm -hmm. then. Mm -hmm. The word was shepherd. Mm -hmm. And I'm irritated by the King James Version that broke rank and out of 18 times of translating the word poimene. Uh, shepherd one time the king james translates it pastor and that's why we have this debate today mm. some of you have heard me say this multiple times but we would not have this debate today if they hadn't inserted the ecclesiastical french word pastor into that ephesians uh, 4 passage and uh, we wouldn't even have this debate but that not the word shepherd has never become a title it's a descriptor of a gifting. It's a descriptor of an opportunity we have to lead God's people. Mm. But the word pastor became a title, and that's where the danger came, and that's where the emotion comes. Yes, And I that's agree. where the argument ensues. That's good. That's good. So at council, we voted to both consecrate and ordain uh, men and women. And so I wondered, John, if you could kind of capsulize for us what consecration and ordination mean and don't mean in the alliance that has allowed us to extend this to both qualified men and women. Interestingly, Terry, some men through the years had said to me, can I get consecrated? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's that word of being set apart as holy, this, this uh, deep uh, separation to God that that's what we want to be as God's people. And 
Ordination is the word that is understood in the public sector. So our women were having difficulty walking into a chaplaincy situation saying, I'm a consecrated woman in ministry, and they would be asked, well, what's that? Well, it's sort of like ordination. Well, are you ordained? Well, no. Well, that created lots of complications through the years uh, for uh, chaplaincy and business, marketplace, hospice, hospital, police, fire, military, and all sectors and levels of military. It's just added unnecessary complications. So, um, Terry, uh, we see both words as having value Mm -hmm. for both men and women. And I'm delighted that I'll now be a consecrated and ordained worker in the Alliance. And that that says something to me that I'm set apart for God, first and foremost. Yes. Mm-hmm. Before the ecclesiastical designation of some church leadership, there's the spiritual designation of I'm God's and I represent him. And that is a holy thing. And that is a frightening thing, and it should be. Mm-hmm. Ordination can go to our egos and heads and form our identity and become our title, but if we're seeing ourselves first and foremost as consecrated to him, as his chosen vessel to represent God to people and people to God, to speak on his behalf and to be his spokesperson in an official capacity to represent the church to, and, and therefore to represent God to the congregations and uh, communities in which we live, that is a holy thing, wow. and I need to take it seriously. Mm. Yeah. So both are valuable words. To be consecrated speaks to our soul, and ordination gives us access to the hospital room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do like, I'm a little jealous of that consecrated word, too, and, you know, I don't, not that I look at my ordination certificate ever, but it is nice to think, look back and think about that being so scripturally rooted. And I'm glad that our future certificates will say consecrated and ordained. That's a, that, it is a holy moment thing. And it's something to hold on to that reminds you of God's calling. And, and I appreciated the trepidation you added with that, to yeah. stand before God with humility. And what that will do in our consecration ordination ceremonies is going to be a, a good thing. Yeah. You know, these marker moments that we have to announce the ordination, that's been good. We've had some great moments in that. And then to announce the consecration for women, that was an awkward shift Mm -hmm. when those were male and female were in the same, Mm -hmm. you know, service. But now for all to think of what it means to be consecrated and to think of what it means to be ordained, uh, I think that's going to strengthen that memorial marker moment that we have for our next generation of leaders. Yeah, I like it. I'm looking forward to our first service in our district, you know, where we consecrate and ordain someone publicly in their ministry setting. It's going to be a beautiful moment, I think. So wrapping it up, in this moment uh, of the life of the Alliance, what would you like to say to the Alliance family as a whole? We're on a good journey, not an easy one, not a comfortable one uh, for many, but we're on a good journey. Know that I'm not going to be bringing a bunch of more proposals in 2025. You know? <laughs> We're not having more rounds of national conversation. This is a season of Terry's so thankful. <laughs> this is a season of stabilization, of implementation, of working together. 
I would say, please, if there's something that's still like bothering you as if we're on some slippery slope, would you read the material coming out from Terry's office uh, that uh, communicates a FAQ and various other resources on what we've what we've done? Would you would you have real conversations with somebody in the Alliance family who disagrees with you or you disagree with? And come to understand how did they reach their position and, and how are they honoring God's word while taking a different position than you do. If you, if you don't have that kind of relationship, if you don't have that kind of understanding, you're missing out. Uh, I, I would ask the Alliance family, don't let fear win the day. Mm. So Terry and Alan, I felt the weight of the mantle falling on me for next generation unreached people groups the authority of god's word and that weight has not subsided and i don't believe it will for two more years mm -hmm. i you still hear the passion of my voice and the tear that comes to my eye when i speak of those things this is who the alliance is people who must and are Honoring God's word, advancing the kingdom of Jesus, investing in unreached peoples and next generations. We are one of God's end times families that he's raised up to complete the Great Commission. This is a Christ-centered Acts 1-8 family. We are on mission. We're on mission together. And all of the changes that took place in our statement of faith and our polity are actually going to advance that mission in the years to come. I believe this with great clarity and great certainty. These are mission-advancing decisions, and this is a mission-advancing moment. So thanks for letting me speak to some of that today. Well, our John, we, we really appreciate the time that you've given us today and uh, to talk about these issues i'm sure that the alliance family will find this uh, a helpful piece and uh, know that we uh, appreciate your leadership not just on this one issue but we just appreciate your leadership and we're glad that god has placed you in uh, as the president of the alliance for such a time as this amen so alan a great session with john you mentioned it in the uh, intro yep. that he leads in a pastoral way yep and uh, I felt that came through his heart, didn't you? I sure did. I appreciate it. it. It's clear that he carries the weight of pastoring this denomination very heavily. It is. So uh, John gave us some good advice uh, during the uh, podcast and really hope that you'll listen to this, let your leaders listen to it, whatever your position on this uh, issue and uh, that it would help you as you kind of process and try to land uh, all of us wanting to land where god wants us uh, to land so you and i love this uh, organization yes, called sir. the alliance yes we do and uh, value its unity and that's one of the one of the things that i feel in terms of the weight on my shoulders is yeah. stewarding the unity of this denomination so i want to help that in any and way you we do can that well my friend oh thank you thank you so uh, next time, we'll have another special episode. Zach Meerkrebs will be with us to talk about uh, the revival or outpouring or whatever you want to call it that happened at uh, Asbury College, mm -hmm. Asbury University uh, earlier this year. So you won't want to miss that uh, next special episode. Definitely looking forward to it. Meanwhile, keep the faith. 
Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.